Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, Working on a Dream. Hey everybody, and welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It's the only podcast on the internet where we talk about every single Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order. I'm J.B. Clark. I'm joined as always by Rob Carmack. Rob, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> good, man. Good to, good to be with you again today. I just realized that I, I said that like a morning, <laughs> like a morning radio host. <laughs> good to be with you today. Good to be with you today. Top of the day. Top of the hour. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, yeah, welcome. So uh, today we're talking about the song Working on a Dream from the 2009 album of the same title. Th- this was a, a, a single that Bruce really, really, really wanted to make happen. Oh, also, uh, this is our final track from Working on a Dream. We're, oh, man. We finished closing out The Wild, The Innocent, The Street Shuffle. Then we closed out Human Touch. Today we're closing out Working on a Dream. Next episode, we're going to close out Born in the USA. I mean, we're really shutting it down. We are shutting it down. Yeah, so... Everything is for sale, even yeah. the shelves, going out of business. Absolutely. So, yeah, this song, Working on a Dream, uh, was was one of the, the singles that sort of led off the campaign for, for this particular album. Uh, Bruce played this song in his 2009 Super Bowl halftime show. Bruce has done the Super Bowl halftime show exactly one time, and he did this song. And he, he opened the show with 10th Avenue Freeze Out. Uh, they did Born to Run. They did this song, and they closed the show with Glory Days. So, I mean, I know he was promoting this album, which had only been released a couple of weeks earlier, but watching, if you go back and watch the, two, the, the Super Bowl halftime show now, 10 years later, this song feels so out of place with the rest of those. You know, like, the other songs are like Bruce Springsteen, Staples, and this is just like, he's trying to promote this album, but it has no business at all being in the middle of a Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah. That is the, one of the things that kind of gives this song a certain, like, elevated sense of notoriety, is that it's one of the four songs that Bruce played at the halftime show. Uh, the most recent performance of the song was February 16th, 2017 in Brisbane, Australia. And this is one of those songs that Bruce really, really tried to make happen. And I don't know if it really ever did. Like, it, if, you, if you watch footage from the, that particular tour, if you watch, like, the London Calling video, or, again, the, the halftime show, you can tell, like, Bruce really, really wants people to get into this song. Yeah. And uh, Wait, here's, did you here, say he debuted it at the halftime show? No, it had already been released. Okay, you I know. thought you said debuted it uh, for some reason. No, he, uh, had, he it it had already been released and uh, been had received like radio play and stuff. But yeah, uh, he but no, like he, he but he he did include it. Like this is the only non legacy act uh, song that he included in that that set. Here's my question. Like I said, Bruce really tried to make this song happen. Do you feel like it worked? At least for, well, you, for you, are you? Do you feel I think about thematically this? it fits a little bit with the football thing, the theme that you're working on a dream that you've worked really hard for. But I don't know that it fits like in a halftime show set musically, right? Yeah, well, and also it, it it does not have the same like live bolt of lightning. Like if the whole point of the halftime show is to keep the energy up, and also when you bring and when you bring in somebody like Bruce Springsteen to do the halftime show, you're expecting him to be just like the biggest possible version of Bruce Springsteen and just bring all the energy into the room. And if you think about like, okay, if he has to do the four songs that just are getting people out of their seats, what are the four songs going to be? And the the other not three, this one, not yeah. this one. Yeah, the other three. Yeah, like Tenth Avenue for example, Born to Run, Glory Days. That's a solid. Those are solid choices for that. Yeah, this, this to me does not fit that. Like I could name a whole bunch of other songs 
that would have been great for like to serve that purpose. Like he could I was gonna it. say Born in the USA, but I could totally see someone being like, Why don't you put Born in the USA on the list? And him being like, No, it's not about that. <laughs> yeah, it's that yeah, that's the thing too, is like that's a little too protesty, you know, like um but football fans already think this is about that. <laughs> well and yeah, the NFL is already like deeply entangled with the US military in terms of like advertising dollars and stuff. So that that would have been complicated oh gosh, and yeah. weird. You want to make it about that? Let's make the podcast episode about that. About that. <laughs> I mean, do you have do you have thoughts beyond that? Like that's the, well, I, just uh, the fact that any time you're at a sporting event and you see uh, a military uh, person honored, which is great, we should honor the people who sign up to do the hardest stuff in our society that we are unwilling to do. We should honor all of them every day. But the fact that it's a it's the the NFL gets and, and other leagues and uh, NCAA events where the players don't get paid, uh, <laughs> where they get, uh, where, where, uh, those organizations become patriotic organizations. It should be noted that those are advertising spots that the military is paying good money for that. You, that does not happen for free. The military started paying for those spots after nine 11 very heavily. Yeah. Like in lots of money. That's a, a, a lot of money is going to those. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, so. Born in the USA would have been awkward if anybody was yeah. paying attention to, to the lyrics of the song. But well, he totally could have done like dancing in the dark, like the like how he currently is doing it live, like with just like that big energy that he brings to it. Oh, or yeah. you know, I mean, or even like if he wanted to do something from the new album, he could have done My Lucky Day. Yeah. Um, you know, like there are other songs with bigger energy than this one, but this is the single he really wanted people to, to go out and get. And so like, this is, this is the one he put into the show. Um, I read, there was a piece of that song. No, I mean, well, I, I think it is, but, um, Oh, you don't like it? No, I don't like it at all. Um, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll get into that as we go, but yeah, so it's like, one of the things is like, it doesn't possess the energy for the Super Bowl halftime, halftime show, but also like, I just, as, as a, as a listener, I don't enjoy this song at all. So, the the title track off of your favorite record. Yeah, that's the thing. Is well, and I've heard him do it. Like he, like he's he really wanted to make this happen. And so when I saw him in Tulsa or not Tulsa in Houston when he was touring on this album, he did he did a handful of songs from this record. He did Outlaw Pete. He did this one. He did the Wrestler, and he did I want to say Kingdom of Days. And he does, he, and he did this like really long spiel. Like if you go back and watch like the London Calling video, you'll see the whole thing. But he he goes through this whole thing about how we're gonna build a house I love and sexual healing. And he's got like th- this is the song where he like slows it down and he does a riff, which I I usually enjoy. But I don't know, man. I, this song does not get me excited at all. So this song reminds me a little bit of what we were talking about last episode or two episodes ago about Human Touch. Um, I don't think it's as egregious as some of the Human Touch examples, but. This song has a ton of really, really incredible ingredients. Um, talk, talk to me about that, though, then. Okay, cool. Well, do you want to get a few more basic facts out of the way first? I think I that was that was all I've got. Do you have more? Did Did we mention that this is the first time he played this? November second, two thousand eight, was during a performance at the Change We Need rally for Barack Obama in oh, Cleveland, Ohio. I did not get that. Yeah, I mean, I that is that is totally true though. Yeah, he, he start he he was using the song as a campaign song. Yeah, and also, it wasn't the first time he played it during a halftime show. Uh, he didn't play it during a halftime show, but it was played on November 16th, 2008, over at NBC, uh, NBC Sunday Night Football halftime highlights. And, uh, yeah, before it started going to radio on November 21st. Interesting. Yeah, all right, let's, so let's get into it a little bit. All right. So the bass is doing a lot of work here. It's, it's doing a lot of really great quarter note thumping. 
so Gary is all over the place usually because he's an incredible bass player. But me and a friend were listening to music the other night, and this this band just their bass player was just playing these big hall notes like the whole song didn't do anything impressive, but it sounded so good. And we we kind of looked at each other and we were like, "Oh my god, I, we always forget because we're trying to be cool bass guys." Uh, that sometimes the best thing a bass can do is like hold down the bass note of the chord and just that. And that's really, you know, like that's, it's just kind of cool to hear somebody who's always all over the place and, and playing these really complex parts doing that, you know, just like really just thumping home the bass note with this, with the kick drum. It sounds awesome Mm. when they're, when they're, you know, synced up. So, uh, and then also Gary like digs in and slides up a half step a few times to sort of exaggerate chord changes which is really cool. Um, it just makes it feel really big. Um, and then, uh, yeah, but the rest of the song is just like moving and thumping with a kick drum. Uh, the guitar tones underneath the whistled part really, really sound nice. And the bass line there is also really great. And Gary's really pulling it out there. He's all over the place, but he's also doing sort of like a pop version of what he would normally do. You know, he's not just like running these blues scales. Mm-hmm. He's doing this like very sort of planned out sort of like poppy bass line underneath the uh, whistled part and this this uh lower guitar tone so really cool uh the melody is super cinematic that's true it is yeah it's not um a pop melody as much as it's like a movie score melody mm-hmm. um not even like a vocal melody necessarily just like a movie score like what you would hear the strings do in a movie score uh, David Frick from Rolling Stone magazine in his review of this album described this song as quote like a Pete Seeger work song sweetened with the mid 60s Roy Orbison. Yeah, that sounds right. So I have a friend who runs a fake David Twick David uh, Frick Twitter account. It's really funny. <laughs> that is super obscure. Like why? Why would somebody run a fake David Frick Twitter? Account? <laughs> Go check it out. It's great. All right. It's just fake David Frick. It's great. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he's a buddy of mine from college. We worked their newspaper together. That is so random. Of all yeah. the people to run a fake account for, it rules. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a total. You're like scrolling through your feed, and you're like, "What?" <laughs> Rolling Stone journalist David Frick <laughs> is getting parodied. That's so funny. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> also, the- uh, you, you mentioned the whistling. Uh, Brendan O'Brien says he thinks that the whistling was originally part of the mix as a placeholder for an actual actual instrument. And they just never picked what that instrument would be. I assume he was thinking probably either like saxophone, you know, or guitar. Like, yeah, or maybe some strings. I mean, the guitar kind of like mimics it a little bit. Yeah. Um, they harmonize for sure. And that's sometimes that's great. Sometimes you like put down a, a Jeff Tweedy does this all the time when he records vocals from Wilco. Uh, he just like <laughs> sings nonsense lyrics until they become real lyrics. And sometimes the nonsense lyrics, he goes back and th- thinks about them. And he's like, oh, man, that's actually really true. <laughs> to anyone who listens to Wilco, that is not a surprise. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but at the same time, like it's when you find that out about Wilco, you're like, oh, man, that cheapens it. And then you're like, no, that actually makes it more true. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's very zen. Yeah. yeah. I will also say the wall of sound. Uh, in the like the big guitar hits is is a very sturdy wall. <laughs> uh, it's a well built wall. Well, that's I mean that's the Brendan O'Brien wall. You know, like yeah, he, he he builds a wall of sound like nobody else. There's also a lot of ooh la la background vocals that mm-hmm. are these big vocal cords that almost sound like instrumentation. They don't sound like harmonies because they're kind of deep in the mix. So a lot of times the guitar strum or the snare hit will wash out the attack or the release of the vocal 
sound. Mm-hmm. So you just hear the note. You don't necessarily hear the, you know, the beginning or the end that kind of identifies it as being a, a vocal melody. So you just kind of hear the chord. Uh, it's it's really nice. It's a really like the instrumentation is really nice here, and the super deep sax, like the berry sax, I guess is that a berry sax? Is doing some cool like sort of just like dragging the whole thing. Is it lower than like because Clarence usually played a tenor sax? So is it is it lower than than what he normally plays? I don't know. It feels pretty low. Maybe I don't know. Like I had some tuba thoughts. Uh, <laughs> so I, that's what makes me think it's a berry sax. Maybe it's a really nice show of their of the E Street Band's like ability to to fill a song out. There's some really really good E Street work happening here. Well, and that yeah, that's the thing. Like they were coming off of the momentum from the Magic session, so everybody's showing up doing really really good work. And I I think I think just in this one instance, I don't I don't think the songwriting matched the quality of of the players i i I think that that tends to be consistent with this album in general i think i think with with a handful of exceptions i think this album is kind of underwritten a little bit you just said magic and that made me realize that earlier i said title track off your favorite album your favorite album is not working on a dream i thought you were being sarcastic working on a dream is possibly my least favorite bruce Springsteen. right 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 but the one that that preceded it and that it closely resembles in um, uh, like if you were to draw an arrow towards something for each of those albums, the arrow would go in the same direction, though the albums would be are totally different. Yeah. No, I, I wasn't. But we can edit it to say that I was. <laughs> we'll just leave it all in. <laughs> all in. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So instruments wise, this is a this is a really well produced, uh, really well recorded song. Hmm. I don't think about it that much. So. Yeah. And I, I would think about it a lot less if. It weren't like everywhere in like again like if you watch the the London Calling Hyde Park video it's it's in there it it, it takes up a lot of time too because he does that whole spiel in in the middle of it and so oh. uh, and and again he I saw him play it live it was unavoidable if you were paying attention at all to the 2009 tour so I I would probably think about it a lot less if if Bruce had not so aggressively tried to <laughs> try to make people love the song. And maybe it works for some people. I don't know. I mean, there may be people out there who are like, that was the highlight of the halftime show for me. But I don't know, man. Like, it it, it never really it never really found a, a place in my heart. Do you want to do the lyrics? Let's do it. All right, go for it. All right, here we go. Out there, the nights are long, the days are lonely. I think of you, and I'm working on a dream. I'm working on a dream. Now, the cards I've drawn a rough hand, darling. I'm straightening my back, and I'm working on a dream. I'm working on a dream. I'm working on a dream. Though sometimes it feels so far away, I'm working on a dream and how it will be mine someday. All right, so this is this is kind of an interesting kind of thing, right? Because a lot of Bruce's songs are about loss and despair, especially like coming out of the Magic sessions. Yeah, and it's it's interesting here. He, th- this is this is an uncharacteristically just like sugary, hopeful song, right? Like he's talking about like he's acknowledging the struggle, but there's also the thing of like. But I am working on a dream. Like I, so th- there is this this resounding message of like pressing on and not giving up and just continuing to hold out for hope. Um, yeah, it's hopeful through hard work, but it's. I think the music doesn't necessarily reflect it as much. Yeah, this is like the Disney musical version of hopeful through hard work. I think that's right. Yeah, where like the inverse would be Jason Isbell's something more than free. Mm-hmm. Where he talks about like I worked hard and I'm beat and I don't have energy for much else, but I thank God for the work. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah, it's such a good song. I, I loved it before I saw it live, and I saw it live, and I was like, oh, just 
was just a ball of tears, I think, through that whole set the last time I saw him. But. Hmm. Uh, all right, cool. So rain pouring down. I swing my hammer. My hands are rough from working on a dream. From working on a dream. Back to the course. I'm working on a dream. Though trouble can feel like it's here to stay. I'm working on a dream. Our love will chase the trouble away. Then you get that whistle. Yeah. Don't love the whistle. I, I would have preferred anything else. I, I, I love whistle in music. I yeah. like mouth trumpets. I like whistles. I love it all. Kazoos. Yeah, I didn't take or leave kazoos. R- recorders. That that's if, if this had been a recorder, it would have gone up in my estimation. <laughs> uh, so we get the chorus again. Uh, sunrise come, I climb the ladder. The new day breaks, and I'm working on a dream, working on a dream, working on a dream. Back to the chorus. So it's pretty. It's pretty repetitive. It's low energy. Well, in the last chorus, he says, "I'm working on a dream." Though it can feel so far away, I'm working on a dream, and our love will make it real someday. Here's why I think I like the song. A little bit more than I think you do. The time he recorded it was a time where he was like hoping for something maybe new. And that line at the end, and our love will make it real someday. So the fact that the, this dream is not, he's not dreaming of winning the lottery. He's dreaming of working hard enough to, to, to have it right, to right the wrongs. Yeah. Well, he's saying at the end, like, I think that, I think that, even though his dream feels really far away, I think that maybe our love, as you and me, or as the people, We'll make it real someday. Yeah, well, and, and that that goes along with his mid-song spiel. If you if you watch a live video of this, because he talks about like we're we're all here to build a house together, and it, it is it's very inclusive and it's very invitational in what he's trying to say, and 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 it, it's also interesting too because and Bruce has said that the song gained new depth for him on election night in two thousand and eight. Which is two about two months before the, the actual album would come out, and you mentioned before like he he played it on a, at a campaign event for Barack Obama before he was elected in two thousand eight, but Bruce talks about like the night that Obama like won, and he talks about the hope and excitement that people felt during the victory speech in Chicago, and and Bruce talks about how he was watching the crowds that night. It made him realize that the things that how this is how he articulates it, like the things that he's been singing about all his life actually feel like they might be coming real, which is interesting because he wrote this song before. Obama was elected, right? And so it's possible. Like, it was always possible that John McCain and Sarah Palin would have won. You know, in, like in an alternate universe, like this album comes out, and we're still in the midst of like all the stuff that Bruce was upset about during the Bush years. You know, and so yeah, um, and so even even in, like putting out an album, like creating an album with this in it, was was sort of a sign of good faith. And um, I think that uh, I think that Bruce would have taken a McCain presidency over a Bush presidency, though. Yeah. I, I yeah go, going back and listening to the magic record I don't think you're wrong I th- I think he had especially I th- I think he he was especially not fond of the George Bush presidency Yeah I think <laughs> now anytime I think about McCain Palin I'm like oh man what <laughs> the, why did that happen <laughs> Man yeah, I'm also kind of happy cuz I like Brock you know and I think McCain just McCain just insert anybody else here might have had a shot <laughs> yeah i mean there's a whole yeah in fact um katie Couric did a uh, two-part like audio documentary thing on her um on her podcast looking back at when she interviewed sarah palin 10 years ago and like what that was like and sort of like the public reaction to that and how that affected her basically like after watching that everybody sort of <laughs> like walked away from their TV being like, Oh man, Sarah Palin's kind of dumb. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? <laughs> did good. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So what are we talking? About? Oh, but yeah. So, so Bruce has talked about how like the meaning of this song changed for him 
when Barack Obama won the the first election that he um, yeah in, uh, for his first term as president, um, which I, I get that like if if he, if he had spent you know he spent a lot of his time really working towards trying to make things better for people, and I think this is the first this was the first time that he was looking at things and thinking like this might work you know and. And I mean, now I, I can't imagine him putting this on back in the rotation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this doesn't seem right. But um, it is interesting that this song, that he, he even as the person who wrote the song, he began to feel differently about it in the aftermath of, of the new administration. That, it, that, that's interesting. And that, that explains why he was trying so hard to get people to embrace the song, because he, he really loved this song. Yeah, I get it. It's a good song to love um, if you wrote it, you know? If you wrote it, yeah. Uh, so how many dreams worked on do you give this song? <sighs> One and a half. Whoa! Yeah, I really hate this song. Well, do you want to know how many I give it? Yes, I do. Four. Wow, that's a that's a big gap, sir. That's one of the bigger gaps we've had. It really is. I uh, I'm glad you like it. I've I've tried. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I've really tried hard to like this song because again, it's it was in the set list that I where I saw him in Houston. It's on like one of the only live concert DVDs of Bruce Springsteen I have. This is on it. Like I really w- I want to like this song. I don't want to not like stuff that I'm supposed to like that Bruce made. I just, I can't do it. I, I've tried so hard, and I just, I cannot get there. And so I, I'm jealous yeah. of you for like. No, I get song. it. I love whistles. I love big, I love when people use vocals, vocal melodies, and harmonies as instruments. I love sort of weird cinematic melodies, and I and I love Brent O'Brien. <laughs> well, I normally so, do, too. It's, it, um, and, and I really love the hopeful nature of it, and, and knowing I think one thing I have is like, I didn't listen to this much when it came out. Yeah. I listened to it later with the, with the gift of hindsight, like knowing that, that he wrote this and played it, you know, for a campaign rally for Obama and knowing that like, it was sort of him watching his hopes maybe begin to come true. Yeah. Or at least, or at least be validated. I think, cause he was feeling pretty, not hopeful before this. Yeah, look at the look at the cover of Magic. That's how Bruce felt every day. <laughs> that like just haggard. Like he looks at himself in the mirror. Is like, uh, Bush is in the White House. Um, so yeah, and and this is a good. It is of all of Bruce Springsteen's songs. This is probably one of the better ones for a campaign. You know, it's certainly better than Born in the USA or uh, No Surrender. Um, but th- this is as thematically as you know as far as that goes. I don't know. I, I want to like it. I, my hope, my hope is that this song will rise in my estimation, and that someday I will like it. It just hasn't. Yeah, maybe, there. maybe. I don't know. I've, it's been ten years, and it, it hasn't. Nothing has changed. So, um, I'm just. I say that like I used to tell myself that I liked the song, even though deep down I knew that I didn't. This is one. If I went to a Bruce, if, if next year when he tours, if I happen to be at the show and he pulls this one out, this this is definitely going to be like okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom. This is a perfect opportunity. <laughs> Yeah. So I there, there's a handful of maybe that's something we should do at some point. We should we should make a list of the songs that we would absolutely like either go to the bathroom or go, or go get a refill uh if if this showed up in the set list, you know. I'm for that. I'm so for that. What would be what would be on your list just out of curiosity? Like what what would be a song like, "Oh, here I go. I got it. I'll, I'll be back." Uh I was going to say 57 Channels, but if he was playing that live, I would be there. I would watch it. I think I would too. <laughs> just out of like, total curiosity, like I can't I can't look away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, you know, the way. <laughs> yeah. The time that never was. <laughs> Trouble yeah. in paradise. Yeah. I'm just looking at, yeah. Like, 
a list of songs, uh, fairly recent songs. TV movie for sure. Not that he would play it live. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking mostly of songs that I've heard him do live that I still have not great responses to. So for me, it would be this, Outlaw Pete, Seeds. Uh, yeah, Seeds. I say that. I like, like the crap for Outlaw Pete just because it's a joke in our house because we have the kids book. and <laughs> Oh, that's fun. April's like, this is so dark. And I'm like, yeah, don't read it to him. Yeah. <laughs> and then anytime someone keeps him, they see it. They're like, oh, this is cool. Oh, it's Bruce Springsteen. And they read it to him. They're like, what? It's a what gritty kind tale of parents of a baby? are you guys? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I'm trying to think of what other I I probably mm, I don't know. If he did high hopes, I might if I really had to go to the bathroom, I might be like, okay, I can I can miss this. Yeah, you I would keep it on high hopes just cuz like, I don't know, it's not a bad song, but like I just have so much disappointment like tangled up in that song. <laughs> That's how I feel about this song. <laughs> I get that. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Oh man. Well, that was good. That was. I'm. I'm glad we finally. I've been. I've been waiting on this one because like the, the songs that you really, really love, are the songs that you really, really don't. Like those are the episodes you're like, I know what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say I do not like the song. Um, I'll tell you this. The opposite of that. If I ever found out that Bruce was just do, just playing American Beauty, <laughs> like the EP, mm-hmm. I'd be there. <laughs> oh, for sure. Well, that's the thing. Is like yeah. if it's a song I've never heard live, I feel like I owe it to Bruce and to myself to at least like hear him out. You know, but if, yeah. it's, if it's something I've already heard him do live and I didn't respond to it, like I, I don't know that hearing it, him do it again is going to make it better. Yeah. But uh, there's just not a lot. I mean, r- quite frankly, Bruce can make almost anything great if you're watching him do it. And I would argue this is one of the few songs that I just it, it just doesn't well, do it. We've sort of mentioned this before, but like in that he is a victim of his own like abilities in that if Bruce writes a song that any of if Bruce can write a song that any of us could write would write and it would be uh people our friends would be like oh my god you holy cow and he writes it and everybody's just like yeah he might have lost it you know i don't know this guy anymore <laughs> you know that's, that's a good point though like if this was a roy orbison song like if, if this had shown up on like one of the this traveling an, wilburys albums great roy orbison song. i would have been and, like and right. roy orbison is an incredible musician and songwriter like not to knock him i'm just saying like it would have really fit yeah for for sure for and, him and maybe that's it maybe it, like it it's a Bruce Springsteen song, but it sounds way too much like a like really. Yeah. And it's funny, like now that I'm thinking about the songs that he does that most remind me of Roy Orbison, because he does have like a subsection of those songs. I, I, I almost never respond well to it. Like Cynthia is another one that it sounds a lot like a Roy Orbison song. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> You're really making me want to go listen to the Traveling Wilburys now. It's worth it, man. It's it's good. You know what? There's a Traveling Wilbury song that is about Bruce Springsteen. And we need we need to do an episode where we talk about it. Okay. The song is called. I'll, I'll, I'm going to name the song for anybody who's curious. The song is called "Tweeter and the Monkey Man," and uh, nice. definitely the. And I'm not even joking. We need to do, at some point. We need to do like a bonus episode where we listen to that song and talk about it. But um, the the story behind the song is that when when the Wilburys were writing their songs together, they were in. I think they were at Bob Dylan's house, and either Bob Dylan or George Harrison's house. And Bob and Tom Petty were like started working on this song, and they were like throwing in all these like little Bruce Springsteen like Easter eggs all through the lyrics. And George Harrison was like, this is way too American for me. And like him and Jeff Lynn like left the house for a little while. Like we'll, we'll be back when you guys are done with this nonsense. So that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. So that, that one is a, it's a, a particularly, I really like that song. So I don't like working on a dream, but I do really like the traveling Wilbury song, Tweeter and the monkey man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, go, go. I also love that. Like, uh, the concept of the traveling Wilburys is like kind of funny. 
their music's not necessarily funny, but the concept is kind of funny. Like everybody's got a different name. They're Will Berry, and uh, they're not like if you were to say make a list of the funniest artists you know, <laughs> these five guys probably wouldn't make it. <laughs> no, probably yeah, like George Harrison and uh, right. George and, Harrison is not the funny, <laughs> not super funny, not not known for his. I think the Tom Petty probably was funny, but like uh, on stage, he was just like, uh, "This is garage rock. Get it together." <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I mean, if you read, there's a book by Warren Zanes about the life of Tom Petty. And like, they, he does talk a little bit about how Tom Petty was sort of like the young one. Like, he was the one that had the least amount of credit. And like, but George, uh, George Harrison, like, n- n- handpicked him to come and be part of the Traveling Wilburys, which to Tom Petty, was, that was like the greatest honor of his whole life. Like, right. I, I'm getting invited to go write songs with George Harrison and Roy Orbison and Bob Dylan. Just like, what? <laughs> like, what is this life? Um, so, and Bob Dylan's the only one left. So that's yeah. very sad. Very sad. Uh, but yeah, we, we should definitely, we'll do an episode on that. We'll, talk, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do one episode about the Traveling Wilburys where we talk about Tweeter and the Monkey Man at some point down the road. Yeah, That'll for sure. Fun. Yeah. Also, speaking of Bobby D, we recently had a text conversation. About infidels. Uh, about infidels. If you have not listened to the record Infidels by Bob Dylan recently, go check it out. It is. Like, duh, it's a Bob Dylan record. It's a good Bob Dylan record. Duh, it's good, but. It is awesome. <laughs> it, it's not. It's not a given that every Bob Dylan record is good. He's he's very very prolific, and some of the albums that he made um, aren't great. And I and, and and I say that knowing full well, like Bob Dylan would even say, like he made some of these albums intentionally to like see what fans would stick with him, no matter what. Yeah. You know, like yeah. uh, Self Portrait is what I'm thinking of, and that that album is there, there's a high barrier to entry to to really enjoying that album, I think, and. Um, but yeah, Infidels, that said, Infidels is is a great album. I really like it's it. so good. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for being with us uh, and working on this, this three-and-a-half-year dream of a podcast that we've been doing. And yeah. uh, we'll be back on, uh, in the feed next time. We'll be talking about the song Working on the Highway. Working on the Highway. A dream becomes a highway. That's right. Not Much like life. And I want to write it all night long. <laughs> That'll be the last reference you hear about that. Uh, But anyway, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you all next time with Working on the Highway.